HSD are experts in delivering tech solutions to the vet sector, working with clients such as the Department of Education, Skills and Employment, ASQA and the VRQA. HSD understand the complexities of VET, its systems and data. We specialise in systems integration, customer relationship management systems, Microsoft platforms and migrating organisations to the cloud. So whether you're looking for advice on integrating your systems, meeting your data reporting requirements or looking to gain insights into your stakeholders, HSD are here to help. Visit hsd.com.au or follow us on LinkedIn. Claire Field and Associates. I'm Claire, and I'm pleased that you could join me for this episode of What Now, What Next? Insights into Australia's tertiary education sector, episode 69. And this week's episode is useful, firstly, to those of you wanting to learn more about edtech in Australian universities and vet providers from an operational perspective. And secondly, for those of you who are regular readers of Campus Morning Mail and wanting to know more about Tuesday's regular EdTech columnist, Colin Simpson, who is my guest this week. Before I share my interview with Colin, let me first of all give a shout out to a longtime listener, Susan, who I met for the first time last week. She's undertaking her Master's of Education as well as working in the university sector, and it was a great delight to meet her. And also a shout out to a newer listener, Scott, who tells me he listens when he's doing the vacuuming. So, Scott, I hope the housework's being done as you listen to Colin's insights on edtech in Australian universities and vet providers. Well, it's a great pleasure for me today to be joined by another Campus Morning Mail regular, uh, writing on a Tuesday as I do my piece on a Wednesday. Um, Today I'm speaking with Colin Simpson, who when he's not busy sharing clever ideas about education technology in CMM. He's also working in Monash University's education innovation team. So Colin, welcome and thank you for making time. Thank you very much, Claire. And now I always start off with asking the people that I'm talking to, before we get into the issues, what's happening in the sector, um, I'm keen to know a bit more about who they are. So fill us in, tell us about your background and a bit about your current role. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Like many people in the sector, I guess, I've had a very windy path to get to where I am. I initially, many years ago now, uh, trained to be a secondary teacher uh, with a focus on media production. I decided to try and move into media production, um, freelance for many years, uh, and then kind of, you know, um, decided that that was not really stable enough, um, retrained to go into IT. Uh, I am not a software engineer. I am not a programmer. I, I discovered that in my in my years course. Um, but, you know, it was good to pick up some, some general sort of deeper understanding of, of how technology and everything works. At that point, I was looking for a job and I was living in Canberra and I saw this thing advertised which brought together the media production, the education, the IT, the, you know, the working with people side. Um, this was a job at um, 
Canberra Institute of Technology, which is sort of the main TAFE in Canberra. And, yeah, went for that, got the job and have essentially been doing this kind of work ever since, um, either supporting learning technologies, helping people with education design um, and, you know, all of the bits and pieces that are associated with that. Fantastic. So um, so talk us a bit about your current role. What, what kind of things do you do um, as part of the, what is the education innovation team at Monash up to? What, what do you do? Yeah, absolutely. So we are a, we're a relatively small unit in the portfolio of the Deputy Vice-Chancellor Education and our specific uh, remit, I guess, is to look after um, the institutional learning technologies. So in addition to being the business owners, so making decisions about, you know, what functionality gets added, what changes get made, obviously in consultation and, you know, in line with good practice and all of the other bits and pieces. Um, yeah, so we have broad responsibility for the different technologies, how they are used, providing support materials and training for that. And but then, you know, there's a million other things. So depending on the time of the year, we might run a bunch of sessions about, okay, here is how you do um, hybrid teaching in our spaces, So which is, you know, challenging. It's a thing that people have not had to deal with before. You've got half of your class face-to-face. You've got half of your class coming in over Zoom. Um, that's a confronting thing for teachers. So, yeah, so there's a lot of little bits and pieces like that. Uh, we work sort of hand-in-hand with separate faculty-based teams um, who, you know, obviously have closer relationships with their academics. But, yeah, it's it's very much all of the behind-the-scenes stuff that is needed to uh, facilitate and enable um, learning with technology. Fantastic. Uh, I was nodding quite a bit there thinking about, yes, hybrid uh, teaching. I've not had to do it, but just this morning I was in a really large hybrid meeting with about a dozen or more people in a room and then easily the same number online. And I was Mm. thinking about, you know, small groups and we've done it and we've all been nimble but it's actually a different set of skills to manage input and, well, in this case, it was more sharing rather than learning mm. uh, in, that, in that kind of environment. So now you've um, explained about uh, what you do at Monash. You're also doing a PhD at Sydney Uni. So talk us through, in your experience, how are universities going in their use of ed tech are they all, all of them, but is it being embraced across the sector? I mean, I know there's been some surprising photos of people going and going, oh, my class is entirely empty. So, so how are universities going with COVID, post-COVID? What, what's been going on and where are things at now, as best you can tell? That's <laughs> sure. It's, it's a huge, we've got hours. <laughs> No, that's that's fine. Um, look, I mean, there has always been a significant presence of education technology in universities. Obviously, COVID pushed a lot of people who were, you know, somewhat more resistant to using these, these tools uh, into the space. Quite a few of them went, oh, okay, that's doable. That's not so terrible. We can manage this. Some have 
suffered through it and returned to, you know, their um, sort of former lives, uh, their former ways of teaching. So, it, so yeah, okay, so I, I've been in tertiary education since 2003 and I've been in higher education since 2015. Um, and as I say, it's always been there. Um, there's always been people in my sort of role supporting it and there have always been people... Uh, adopting it with enthusiasm so you know sometimes you sort of see these discussions and it's just it's it's like oh yeah people have only really taken it up in the last couple of years because they had to and you know I don't think that's necessarily true Uh, and the what you know the the level of sophistication which with with which people have used it may have sort of changed Um, there's certainly a lot of people who will dump you know a bunch of pdfs in the the course LMS and, yep, there's your online learning, off you go. But I I guess, you know, the good part about my job is that we see the people who are particularly enthusiastic. Occasionally, you know, we'll sort of be asked to jump in and say, hey, why is this thing being done so badly in discipline area X? (laughs) I'm literally working on something today and I've been looking at people's courses and I'm just like... That's that's what that discipline area is like. Um, people, you know, it, it's a tool. It's the world that we live in as well. Um, if we're in a world where, you know, it's just commonplace now to buy something online or to, you know, order, order your food with your phone, um, of course the education um, lives in the same space. So I actually think universities do it reasonably well um there are a lot of challenges university culture there's a certain amount of fierce independence and sort of fierce autonomy amongst academics so if someone doesn't want to do something it's a lot easier for them to not do something than you might find in other workplaces but really they're not um, they're not a large proportion of people that's really interesting. I've also been thinking, so you talked about how online people's lives are and, and how their expectations change. And I think uh, potentially also uh, even streaming versus, you know, scheduled TV. So I think that also plays into people's thinking of, oh, yeah, well, I want to learn and I do want to do my study, but it might not necessarily be at 10 a.m. on Monday because surely I should be able to pick and choose when I do it, when it kind of suits me best because so much else in my life is available on demand and and Mm. as I choose it. And so I guess that goes to your point about helping people with hybrid learning at different um, times during the year. I wonder, have you seen any shift where education is now being designed and thought of from the start as more of a hybrid or even a digital first plus face-to-face as opposed to, I guess, I do accept your point about COVID, but pre-COVID it was more face-to-face and then the the digital piece. What's your sense of that? Yeah, no, that's a good question. I think, as I say, people have been exposed to what the online space can offer. And they are starting to say, yeah, look, this is great. I can embrace this. In terms of of a significant shift in the design of courses, absolutely leadership 
wants that because they see the benefits. And look, I think some of the benefits are financial as much as educational, but, you know, they can be the same. And so, yeah, you can be doing something for the right reasons, but still also have an institutional, you know, sort Mm. of benefit to it. Universities are massive, massive ocean liners. So turning one around um, is not a fast process. So I don't feel as though we are seeing major shifts in the way they operate. Now, there are exceptions, I guess. I mean, you take a university like uh, Victoria University and they've basically just gone, yep, we are going to completely revolutionise the way that we um, set up our course delivery. We're going block mode. You know, you do your courses, in, you do one subject in six weeks, that's all you do. So that's, you know, so there are little pockets um, like that. And, I mean, I guess there's also other instances that we're seeing much more now um, where universities have wholly online courses, um, generally post-grad, that they are delivering in partnership with um, online program managers, so companies like uh, OES and um, KeyPath and, you know, sort of, I don't know, they're sort of in between. Yeah, they're partnerships anyway. Um, I think that represents an interesting change in the way that... um, learning and teaching is being done. But again, it's not a significant part of how the university system is working. Mm. And some interesting changes happening with OPMs uh, in the US and we'll wait and see what that was from a a regulatory perspective. We'll see if that has Mm. an influence here, keeping an eye on that. Now, you've also, and you've talked about, you started off at, um, I call it Canberra TAFE, CIT, you're quite correct, Um, and you've done, you know, work in the vet sector before moving into higher ed and we often hear, oh, it's much harder in vet, it's competency-based and you've got to be on the in the workplace and those sorts of things. Um, talk me through what are some insights you've got into the differences in use of ed tech between vet and higher education? Absolutely. I guess, I mean, there's a couple of obvious things in that um, you tend to have, you tend not to have lectures in uh, vet, so you don't have these incredibly complicated lecture capture and sort of publishing systems. Now, it's interesting universities are moving away from lectures, so I feel that we're seeing a decline in, you know, lecture capture systems anyway, but, I mean, they are massive, you know, sort of enterprise uh, things that uh, that uh, TAFE doesn't need to worry about quite so much. The other part, I guess, is probably... There are fewer essays and so there's fewer, uh, you know, sort of you don't need to turn it in kind of uh, academic integrity uh, systems quite so much in that because it is competency-based and it is much more about seeing a student demonstrating a practice, um, that is the real uh, focus. And, look, I, will, I mean, obviously, you know, that is where I started. Uh, I do have fond memories of the sector. And in some ways, I, I, I did find it possibly uh, a little, well, again, it's it's different needs. Overall, I, I, I found it a little bit more technologically advanced in some ways. Uh, and there was more willingness, I guess, to, to try new things to 
make life easier because, yeah, assessment in debt is arguably more challenging because you absolutely have to get it right Um, because if you don't get it right, you don't get paid. A student can go through higher education, do their assessments, and no one's really checking whether they know their stuff or not. Um, you know, look, the university reputation is largely what sort of offers the the security or the reliability of the, the university kind of qualifications. But, you know, if you're in vets, you absolutely have to be certain that student X can do A, B and C. You mean like build a house or... Yeah, but all of the things. So, you know, yes. bang in a nail and, mm-hmm. you know, put the... <laughs> Talking about building, I have no idea about building a house. That's okay. We'll go. We we'll won't put the pile up straight. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> but, but, but your point is, if I'm doing a written assessment task in higher education, yes, of course, the tutor or the lecturer is going to read it. But am I just good at synthesizing other people's views and ideas, or have I really understood them? And am mm. I the next philosopher genius? A bit hard to test in paper and pen, whereas in vet, let's go with something I do know about, ladies' hairdos, uh, if you can't cut properly or you can't colour properly, mm. that becomes evident fairly quickly. Yeah. yeah, and you need to provide, you know, significant evidence about that. And so, I mean, one of the things that I really enjoyed that we were doing at, um, at CIT was we were doing a lot of work with um, head-mounted cameras. So (laughs) you've got the teacher sort of recording student activities, but also um, students able to record their own activities as part of assessment evidence. And that's really exciting. I've actually seen some of that in uh, even in hospitality with so the the lecturers in the um, kitchen showing all of what they're doing and I think particularly during COVID you saw some students at home would be showing what they were doing now okay it's not a commercial grade kitchen but Mm. time circumstance etc you can certainly be building on your skill development albeit you have to come in maybe to do your final assessment or something like that and I know similarly with welding you would go to vet conferences and there'd be people there with the the VR goggles on Mm. and you can practice welding even though you're not wasting any of the incredibly expensive gunk that one technically uses uh, for welding. So it's interesting that you found it <clears throat> more open um, in from someone working as a, an ed tech expert and, you know, resource mm-hmm. um, within the vet sector because we sometimes hear criticism that you can't or shouldn't do online in vet and that employers are really sceptical. So any insights into maybe how, you know, CIT or other vet providers have got around that with that more progressive attitude that you've talked about? Um, As I say, I am a couple of years out of that, Mm. so I don't know what people are doing now. I mean, I I am part of a broader community and I do, you know, sort of talk to people around the various sectors a little bit. But, Mm. yeah, I'm certainly a little bit out of the loop. In turn, I mean... I guess there's two there's two ways of looking at it. There's technology enhanced learning and teaching, which is technology in the classroom and online. And then mm-hmm. there's your online learning. Um, you can still do online learning and 
explore these kind of simulations and record yourself doing the things and share those through the online platform. I don't think the practical nature of that excludes online learning. It requires a different approach to using it, uh, perhaps, and, and, you know, possibly a slightly more uh, creative, you know, you need to sort of think about how you can make the most of that space. Because, I mean, people still need to refer to materials. I mean, one of the things that we had, uh, I was in the hairdressing building at one time, which I love because it was, you know, like $10 haircuts, whatever else. But, you know, we'd sort of get to a point where students were able to uh, quickly bring up a, a video on, you know, how you do um, point cutting or something um, mm-hmm. on their phone, mm-hmm. which, you know, uh, just as a refresher or checking it, checking their understanding and that that's incredibly powerful mm. um, and they were getting that from you know the the online uh, resources that we provided fantastic and I think as as well and in addition to that as more employers are using more technology I mean it kind of goes back to where we started as higher education is shifting in part because the world is more digitized and more use of technology similarly in vet as employers themselves use more technology and as they're employees do, uh, then I think working with their training partners, uh, they can see that there are some some benefits. It's not just sticking some PDFs in the LMS and maybe doing a, a Zoom, which I think is, is what the worry is. But when you have, you know, Microsoft and their um, HoloLens with, with their three key industries are manufacturing, health and education, it seems to I mean, they're one of, yeah. you know, many, it seems to me it's a shift that's happening and those vet providers who have been progressive and are being flexible with technology are in a, in a pretty good space. Yeah, absolutely. I, I will say one thing. I mean, yeah, absolutely you've got your Microsofts and your Facebooks and your Googles all, you know, kind of sniffing. And they've been sniffing around education for quite some time because it is a massive uh, potential source of revenue. But one of the things that they always seem to be doing is it always seems to be discussed in terms of content. And to my mind, that completely misses the point of education, which is about learning experiences. And that's what what schools understand. That's what, you know, institutions understand. What a fantastic way to end a really interesting conversation because it is all about the, the learning and it's the experts who bring uh, facilitated by great technologists like yourself who bring that um, that learning to life. Um, Colin, thank you so much for making the time available and uh, I will continue to be looking out on a Tuesday um, for all the latest info that you've got on what's happening in the tech sector. So thank you very much. I will con- continue to enjoy your column as well. Oh, thank you very too, much. Too kind.